So this morning we're going to be talking about death, yeah, life and death, living and dying. Uh, it'll be in Genesis chapter 25. Death is something that we all know something about because uh, we've all lost someone, some just recently. And death is something uh, that all of us, unless you know the rapture happens uh, in our lifetime, that all of us will experience. We're all going to die a first death. Uh, however, we will not all suffer the second death. And I hope that none of you have, have to suffer a second death. Because uh, those in Christ will go to be with Jesus, but uh, those not with Christ will have to suffer a second death. And the second death, of course, is eternal judgment in the lake of fire. It tells us in Revelation 21 that the, uh, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars... Uh, all the unclean, all whose names are not in the Lamb's Book of Life. Um, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, right? That is the second death. Uh, that's not a party, and you don't want to be there, right? Uh, so, But that's not really what we're focusing on this morning, though it does play into what we'll be talking about. But here's the thing. When you die, how will you be remembered? Right? What will people say about you and what will people say about your life? Uh, how will your obituary read? Right? Is it going to say something like, the old curmudgeon finally kicked the bucket, right? <laughs> Took his foul breath and his cantankerous mood with him, glad he's finally gone. Right. Uh, ben Franklin said that some people die at 25, but they don't bury him until they're 75. So, you know, there is that attitude amongst some people. Hopefully your obituary doesn't read that way. Uh, maybe it'll read like the one I saw recently from a much-loved grandmother who uh, passed on. And on her tombstone and in her obituary was just a recipe for her world-famous chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> right. There's no doubt that she's with Jesus. <laughs> um, imagine what those cookies taste like now. Right. But, but hopefully you know, what people will say what your obit will read is that you were known by all to love Jesus and now you're with Jesus. Right? So we're going to be honoring Abraham's life today in Genesis chapter 25 by talking about his death. So let's read, in a sense, Abraham's last will and testament, his obituary as it may be. Genesis chapter 25 verses 1 through 18. It says, Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah, and she bore him Zimran and Jokshan and Medan and Midian and Ishbak and Shua and Jokshan, fathered Sheba and Dedan. And the sons of Dedan were Ashurim and Letushim and Leuim. And the sons of Midian were Ephaph and Ephor and Hanak and Abida and Elda. And all these were the children of Keturah. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, but to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son, Isaac, eastward to the east country. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life, 175 years. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. 
Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar and the Hittite, east of Mamre, the field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife, and after the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac settled at Beer Lahairoi. And these are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's servant, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael, named in the order of their birth. Neboiath, the firstborn of Ishmael, and Kedar, Abdeel, Mibson, Mishma, Duma, Massa, Hadad, Tima, Jetur, Napish, and Kedemah. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names by their villages and by their encampments, twelve princes according to their tribes. These are the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years. He breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. They settled from Havilah to Shur, which is opposite Egypt in the direction of Assyria. He settled over against all his kinsmen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this word, and I pray that you just bless this word to us and just we just take it to our hearts, Lord. The, the lesson in there that's for us to be learned about how we should be living our lives and how that's reflected in our death. So we pray, Lord, that uh, you just speak this word to us. We just thank you for the hope and for the encouragement and for the light that this is. We just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This isn't really a, a difficult chapter. All right. the, the first half of this chapter just gives us a bunch of names and, 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 and it stands as a testimony to the life of Abraham. I mean, we've been with Abraham, the father of faith, right? Since Genesis chapter 12, we're in chapter 25 now, right? We started Genesis chapter 12 back at the end of June. So that's how long we've been with Abraham here in, in Genesis. Abraham is mentioned 70 times in the New Testament, and there's only one person, one Old Testament patriarch who's mentioned more than Abraham, which is Moses, which he's mentioned like 80 times in the New Testament. So as we've gone through Genesis from chapter 12 here to Genesis chapter 25, we've seen the ups and the downs and the good and the bad of Abraham's walk with the Lord, right? His, we've seen his life of faith, which is why he is in the hall of faith, and when you look at Hebrews chapter 11, there's 40 verses in Hebrews chapter 11, and 12 of them are uh, about Abraham, which means 30% of that chapter, the hall of faith, is about Abraham. So Abraham's an important person, right? His life wasn't perfect by any means. We saw that as we went through the book of Genesis, but he was a man of faith. And he was a man of faith who had a real relationship with God. And it was a relationship of remarkable obedience, right? And he was known and he would be known as a true friend of God, right? James chapter two, verse 23, it says, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. So we see here now, that after we, I mean, we, we just talked about Sarah passing not too long ago. And we see now that after Sarah has passed, Abraham has taken another wife. And her name is Keturah. And her name means incense. And she and old Abe have six more kids. Right? They have Zimran. They have Jokshan, they have Madan, they have Midian, the land of Midian, by the way, the, the tribe of Midian is where Moses fled to hide from the Pharaoh. 
they have Ishbak, they have Shua. And then Joxon has Sheba and Dedan. Of course, we know that those are like in Saudi Arabia or, or something like that, possibly named after descendants of, of Noah's sons. And then, uh, you know, Dedan himself, who was one of the sons of Joxon, he had Ashurim and Letushim and Leuim. And then Midian has Ephaph and Epher and Hanok and Abida and Elda, right? And it says that Abraham gave gifts to all the sons of his concubines, which means that Keturah could have been one of his concubines. But, and so he blessed them all, but his inheritance went to Isaac, right? the son of promise. And we see that Abraham sets Isaac apart because he takes all the rest of his sons before he dies. He takes all the rest of his sons and he sends them away from Isaac. He sends them east, right? eastward to the east country. He sends them east. So he separates Isaac from the rest of his children because Isaac is the son of promise. And through Isaac, you're going to get the nation Israel. And through Isaac, you're going to get to Jesus. So he separates Isaac. But right after that, it tells us, these are the days of the years of Abraham's life. 175 years. Verse 8, Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years and was gathered, was gathered to his people. Right? He gave up the ghost. That's what it means when it says he breathed his last. In the Hebrew, it literally means he gave up the ghost. Abraham lived to be 175 years old. He lived 100 years in the land of Canaan. He lived 100 years in the land of promise where God told him to go. Right? And it says he was gathered unto his own. He was buried in the same cave slash tomb that he bought right, from the Hittites for Sarah. And Ishmael and Isaac came together and buried him, which is a really interesting picture considering Ishmael's relationship with the family. But they came together and they buried him. You know, got back in Genesis fifteen fifteen, this is what God told Abraham. He said, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And that was fulfilled. God promised Abraham that he would die in peace, and he did. He died in peace. So Abraham's life, as we see, starts with faith and ends in faith. It's a remarkable life. Uh, Adam Clark, who was a British theologian from the 18th, 19th century, he wrote this somewhat, this eulogy for Abraham. And it says this, it says, above all, as a man of God, Abraham stands unrivaled so that under the most exalted and perfect of all dispensations, the gospel of Jesus Christ, he is proposed and recommended as the model and pattern according to which the faith, obedience, and perseverance of the followers of the Messiah are to be formed. While you admire the man, do not forget the God that made him so great, so good, and so useful. Even Abraham had nothing but what he had received. He was from the free, unmerited mercy of God, preceded all his excellences. But he was a worker together with God, and therefore did not receive the grace of God in vain. Go thou, believe, love, obey, and persevere in like manner. That's for you and I. Go thou. Right? Believe, love, obey, and persevere in like manner. And Isaac did, because it tells us in verse 11 that after Abraham's death, God blessed Isaac, 
his son. Right? God's work passes from one generation to the next, from Abraham to Isaac. And you can say that's gone all the way down now to us. So I would just tell you, church, keep your hand to the plow. There's still work to be done. God has great work to do through you. Right? So go and do likewise. Believe, love, obey, and persevere because it takes perseverance to continue. Because I don't know about you, but it seems like life has gotten busier. The days have gotten more hectic. Right? Everything's just going at a crazy speed. It's hard to keep up with what's going on around you and how it's going on. And you have not even a moment to catch your breath most of the time. So you have to first believe. You have to step out in faith. You have to love. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. You have to obey. If you love God, you will obey his commandments. And then you just have to persevere. You have to keep going. You can't stop. James 1.12 tells us that blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Abraham received his crown of life. James 1.25 tells us, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing which also is, again, is a picture of Abraham. He didn't just hear what God said and then forgot about it. He acted on what God said his entire life. So live your faith out loud, just as Abraham did. Now, right after this death of Abraham that we see here in the chapter, now we see the death of Ishmael happens right next. I mean, Ishmael lived to be 137 years old. He was 89 when Abraham died, and so he lived now there 48 years. And then we see the descendants of Ishmael in order of birth, right? A whole bunch of other names that are really hard to pronounce. Nebaeoth, Kedar, Abdil, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Massa, Hadad, Tima, Jetur, Nafish, and Kedamah. Now, interesting to think about this, it specifically says here that these are 12 princes according to their tribes. And again, this is a fulfillment of prophecy because back in Genesis 17, God says about Ishmael, he says, as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him into a great nation. So this is God fulfilling his promise. We see that God fulfilled his promise to Ishmael just as God fulfilled his promises to Abraham and Isaac. Now, when we look at these two, Abraham and Ishmael, we see a lot of similarities in their lives and in their passing. They were both older, Abraham 175, Ishmael 137, right? They were both gathered unto their people. There's a lot of similarities between these two events, but there's also some differences here that I think we need to take note of that we need to apply that are very important for us concerning the life of Abraham as compared to the life of Ishmael. Because we don't know a lot about the life of Ishmael. Just like we weren't told everything that happened in Abraham's life for 175 years. And we got some of the highlights. We don't know everything. Right? But there is a difference for us to take to heart and to apply to our lives. A difference in how they lived and a difference in how they died. Now, like I said, they both lived to be an older. They lived to an old age. Neither were taken young. 
right? You know, people spend millions and billions of dollars, specifically today, trying to live forever, trying to stay young, trying to look young. <laughs> the really sad fact is, is a lot of these, specifically these celebrities and such, who go through all these face lifts and tucks and whatever the heck that they do to try to make them look younger, they just end up looking like a mummy from some sort of horror movie. It, it, it's not, I don't know how they think that they're making themselves look better, right? They, they look worse, but there's all kinds of things today. People have all these, uh, I'm not going to go into all the different stuff, but they have all these different ways that they're trying to extend their life, even if they're extending their life in some sort of a, uh, uh, you know, you know, well, cryogenically is one way that people try to do it, right? And then also, of course, uh, who was it? Oh, it was Bruce Willis. Uh, you know, he has some sort of disease, right? So he quit acting. He retired because I can't remember what the, he has, but he has some sort of de debilitating disease. It's a nerve thing, I think. And he's not going to be able to act anymore, but he sold the rights of his image. So, so now they've, you know, they're scanning Bruce Willis every way to, you know, upside down, inside out, so that, that they have his complete images, all his images from all his movies now will be put into a, a database and they'll be able to create Bruce Willis. And Bruce Willis will now be able to live forever and star in movies. You know, your, your grandkids' grandkids will be able to see Bruce Willis and die hard, you know, 20. Because even though Bruce Willis won't be alive because they, they, he's sold his image, he wants to live forever. There's, well, there's, you know, people spend all kinds of money to continue living, right? It's a billion dollar industry. I mean, I mean, we joke about it. Groucho Marx said, I intend to live forever, right? Or die trying. <laughs> so, so we joke about it, but, but it's not really a joke. People want to stay young and live forever, right? I said it's a billion dollar industry. Mark Twain said that the fear of death follows from the fear of life. If you're afraid of life, you're afraid to die. Right? But then he says, a man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. You see, old age, it's nothing to be scared of. Right? I mean, if you have the blessing of the Lord, as Abraham did. Right? And this has nothing to do with your physical self. This has nothing to do with this decaying old tent that we live in. Right? I mean, despite the aches and the pains and the groans and the moans and everything that's, you know, coming out of your body now, despite your body wearing down and the weaknesses that come with age, you can enjoy life. How? By enjoying the presence of the Lord and doing his will right up until he takes you home. This is how Abraham lived. See, Abraham's life wasn't a cakewalk. By faith, though, just like you and I, he took it one day at a time, one step at a time, and the Lord saw him through. Every time he fell down, every time he failed, every time he lied, she's my sister, right? Every time he stepped out or responded in fear, the Lord gave him a new beginning. The Lord picked him back up. Right? The Lord put him back on the path and pointing them in the right direction. He lived by faith. He followed the Lord. It says here in verse 8, and verse 8 here in chapter 25 really describes everything you need to know about Abraham and his death. 
And it says, Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. That's his obituary. Right? He was an old man and full of years. Right? Full of years is a phrase in the Hebrew that means more than just a quantity of time. It doesn't mean that he was, it doesn't just mean that he was 175 years old, right? It's also about a quality of life. It's been translated in, in some texts as satisfied with life, right? He was an old man satisfied with life. Right. Psalms 92 verses 12 through 15 tell us that the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are never full of, they are, they are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. Right? He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Abraham was 175 years old and fruitful to the end. He experienced joy. He experienced satisfaction, even in his old age. He was wealthy, yes. He had all the comforts of life, yes. Yet he didn't leave. I mean, he didn't live until the world was tired of him. Right? Instead, he lived until he had had enough of the world. And he said, you know, I've lived long enough. I'm satisfied. Right? Life was not extorted from him. It wasn't taken against his will. He gave it up. Possibly he cheerfully resigned it. Yes, Lord, take it, please. I'm satisfied. Abraham died full of years. Right? Satisfied with life on earth. And now what was he looking forward to? He was longing to live in a better place. I mean, that's what it tells us. Remember, go back to Hebrews chapter 11. In the hall of faith with Abraham, it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And then later on in that same thing, right, it says that, that they all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from, from afar, having speak, thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Right? That they desire a better country, a heavenly one. So he was ready to give up his life. He was satisfied with life because he was looking forward to what was coming. So he was like, let's go. My bags are packed. I've lived 175 years on this earth. I'm ready to go to the house that the Lord's building for me. I'm ready for my next journey. But here's the thing. Not everyone experiences life like this. We don't. We don't all experience life the same way. So when we see this, the way that Abraham lived his life, compared 
to his son Ishmael, we see a couple different things. So we know that Abraham lived a life of faith, but Ishmael, well, he lived a life in defiance, in hostility. And we see this goes back to what the Lord told Ishmael, what the Lord told Hagar concerning Ishmael after he was born. The Lord says, he shall be a wild donkey of man. Then his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him. And then it ends with this, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. That's very strange wording. Dwell over against. Right? In the Hebrew, that's sakan al-panim. And the King James translates it, dwells in the presence of his kinsmen. Well, when you go here in chapter 25 and you look at verse 18, at the very end of verse 18, it says, he settled over against all his kinsmen. Well, again, very strange sentence. It's Nepal Alpanim. They're very, those two phrases back from chapter 16 and here in chapter 25 are almost identical. Right? Dwell over against dwells in the presence, settled over against, as it says here in 18. Again, strange wording, almost identical phrases. But what it basically means is that he would live against or dwell against or be in hostility against his kinsmen, back in chapter 16. And here in verse 28, it literally means that he fell or died, right, against his kinsmen. So he lived and he died against his kinsmen, right? And that word panim that's used in both uh, sentences back in chapter 16 and 25 here can be translated defiance or hostility. So that's why some translations will, will say that Ishmael lived in defiance or in hostility against his kinsmen. And he died in defiance or hostility against his kinsmen, right? So, I mean, if you live one way, Odds are you die that way too. So we see that Ishmael lived and died in defiance of his people. I mean, does that seem like a man who died in good old age, full of years, like Abraham? No. It didn't seem that Ishmael had the same life that Abraham had. Yes, he lived 137 years, and Abraham lived 175, and they both lived to an old age. But it would seem that Ishmael's life was a life of, it was a struggle. Let's just put it that way. He struggled. And we know, of course, the whole history between Israel and, and the Arab nations. And, and Ishmael is the father of the, of the Arabs. So there's still conflict between the two nations today. It's sort of what it's alluding to as well. But it also just gives us this picture of Ishmael's life. He lived and died in defiance. Right? He lived with a life with his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. It wasn't a good life. When he breathed his last, when he gave up his ghost, it was probably more taken from him than freely given. He died like he lived, sadly. You see, not everyone experiences a peaceful and a satisfied life like Abraham did. Some people just get grumpy and stubborn, 
right? As the saying goes, that they, they spend their time looking back in regret, looking ahead in fear, and when they look around, all they do is complain. And I understand there's a lot to complain about. But that doesn't give you a peaceful and satisfied life. That's not a life that, I mean, if you're looking back in regret and looking ahead in fear, you're not looking forward to the kingdom that God has built for you, right? You're not going to give up your ghost and, and be like, Lord, take me to the next, I'm ready for the next journey. You're going to be fighting it. You're not ready to go. So I just have to ask, how are you spending your time? Right? Listen, death is not a threat to us in Christ. Old age is not a threat to us in Christ. It can still be a time of rich experiences and it can be wonderful opportunities in the Lord. It can be fruitful. Abraham lived a full life. Abraham lived a life of peace as much as it was up to him. And he was satisfied with life. He was satisfied. So are you? Are you satisfied with life? Or are you looking behind in regret, looking ahead in fear, and looking around and just complaining? The fear of the Lord leads to life. And whoever has it rests satisfied, as it says in Proverbs 19. Right? Romans 15, 13 tells us that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Hope. What are we looking for today? Everyone's looking for hope. How do you abound in hope? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you get the power of the Holy Spirit? Through Jesus. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing in your faith. As you walk in faith, you should be filled with joy and peace. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of your body breaking down, regardless of your age, you should be able to be satisfied with where the Lord has you and what the Lord's doing through you. Why do I mention all this? Because one day you're going to be gathered to your people. One day, unless the rapture comes, but even with the rapture, you're going to be gathered to your people, right? That phrase, gathered to his people, it's used for both Abraham and Ishmael. It's used also, I think, for, for Jacob and Isaac. I mean, it's, it's used like four or five times. That doesn't necessarily mean that they were buried in the family tomb, that they were buried in the, I mean, when Abraham died, the only person in the quote unquote family tomb was Sarah. So that's a person, but it's not necessarily his people. There's only one person there. More people would be buried there. But you know, when Ishmael died, it said he was gathered to his people. You know, but it, so it doesn't necessarily refer to being buried with the family or in the family plot or whatever. What it really means, what it's really a reference to when you read it in the Old Testament, it means that they've been gathered to the realm of the dead. They've been gathered to the realm of the dead. That's what it means. See, when you die, your body goes into the dirt. Your soul goes right, to the blessed to the lost. One of the two places. See, death gathers us to our people. Now, 
in the Old Testament, they refer to the realm of the dead as Sheol. Right? In the New Testament, they would say Hades. That's the Greek, right? And it's a, at this time, before the death and the resurrection of Christ, it was a temporary home, right? It still is, kind of. Uh, where your souls are awaiting resurrection. Right? Our, our souls are, when we die, our souls go to be with Christ. To die is to be with Christ. Our bodies go into dirt. For those who aren't in Christ, their bodies go into dirt, right? And their souls go awaiting the resurrection because they will be resurrected. But they're being resurrected to a second death. You're not. Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 16, right? It's the rich man and Lazarus, if you remember the story. And it says that there was a rich man, it's verse 19 in in Luke 16. It says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And he, and in Hades, Being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at Abraham's side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things. And Lazarus, in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm. Right? In order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. So if you're over in anguish, you can't cross to those in peace. And those in peace can't cross to those in anguish. Right? And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Right? Which is probably true. Right? I have come from the dead to tell you what your future holds. I repent. Right? I don't want to go there. That would probably be true. Right? And he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Which is true, because when Jesus rose from the dead, that didn't convince them either. So Jesus talks about this place, and what Jesus tells you is that there's two sections. There's two sections. There's there's the place of blessing and a, a place of torment and pain. And this place of blessing was called what? It was called Abraham's bosom. Because that's where Lazarus is. He's next to Abraham. You get the picture of his head is rested like on Abraham's chest and Abraham's comforting him. So this place of blessing was called Abraham's bosom. And Abraham's bosom is obviously a place of peace and rest and joy. It's paradise. And when Jesus ascended to heaven in glory, he emptied the paradise portion. <laughs> 
and took them with him. Right? Now, like I said, today for us as believers, to die is to be with Christ. And one day you will be gathered to your people. And if your family was God's family, if your family is the body of Christ, then you'll be gathered to them. And if not, then you'll be gathered to the lost. Right? It's simple. You make the right choice. Because eternity is forever. See, we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. You only have right now. I know there are those who don't like sometimes when we talk about the rapture and, you know, future events. So we don't know the time or the hour, but they're like, well, but I don't want it. Like, you know, it seems so immediate. I don't want it to be immediate. Right? I still have things to do. I got a bucket list. I haven't filled, I haven't done my bucket list yet. Can't the Lord rapture me after I get done with my bucket list? There's still countries I want to go to. There's still things, you know, things I want to do. And so they don't like you. Like I've, we've talked about before, rapture anxiety. There's people who have rapture anxiety. That's because they haven't been taught what the rapture represents and what it means and the truth of the rapture, right? So they're all worried about it. They don't want it to happen yet. I, st- I still want time to do this or that. But take the rapture out of the equation. I don't care. The Bible still says you're not guaranteed tomorrow. The Bible still says, right, that, <laughs> that tomorrow's unknown to you, that you're like a, a mist, here today, gone tomorrow, right? The Bible tells you that you only have right now and that you need to live like you only have right now. So if you don't want to talk about the rapture, I don't care. We can still talk about the fact that you need to live today as if it's your last day because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And when you're stepping out in faith and living a life of faith as Abraham did, you're approaching everything one day at a time. And each new day is a blessing because you weren't guaranteed that. But you're not afraid of that either. You don't live in fear of what tomorrow brings. You're not afraid of it at all because if you're given tomorrow, It's a blessing. So each day is a blessing. And you're satisfied. If the Lord took me today, I'm satisfied. If the Lord takes me tomorrow, I'm satisfied. If the Lord doesn't take me for 20 years, I'm satisfied. I'm not going to be like, no, I'm not ready to go. I haven't done what I want to do, right? Don't do it. You only have right now. So how are you living your life? Right? How are you living your life? Are you satisfied? Are you, how are you spending your time? Because one day you will be gathered to your people. So you've got to make the right choice. And that's how you have to speak it to people. We talk about speaking the truth in love and being a, 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 your life being a, a testimony to those who are looking for hope right now. In this darkness, you're a light. The light attracts attention. Some people don't like the attention. But you're there to point them to Christ, to show them 
that in the midst of everything that's going on right now, you can be satisfied with life. You can have peace and comfort and joy, but it's only found in Christ. And you're, and you only have right now, right? So, well, I'm going to think about that and get back to you. You, you don't, you, you really only have right now. It is a decision that has to be made now. But for us in Christ, as C.S. Lewis puts it, for us who have given our life to Jesus, death is only the beginning of the real story, right? He says, chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. That's how he describes it. Death is just chapter one of the great story, which nobody knows. No one's read. They can't spoil it for you. Right? It goes on forever, and every chapter is better than the one before. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it tells us that according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Right? According to his great mercy, we have been born again to a living hope, a living hope, not a dead hope, not a false hope, a living hope. It's alive. Jesus is alive. We have hope through his resurrection. That's why we're not afraid because we know what waits for us. Jesus does. So we're not afraid. Not afraid of what tomorrow brings. So, how are we going to live our lives? Like Abraham? A life of faith? Following the Lord? Even though, I mean, it's a defin- the definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 is Abraham, pretty much. The Lord said, go into a land of which I will show you. It's that direction. And he did. And he revealed things as they went along. And his faith grew as he continued to follow the Lord and step out in what the Lord had called him to do. Yeah, he made mistakes. We all make mistakes. But the Lord just brought him right back and said, let's continue on. And he kept following the Lord. He didn't run away from the Lord. He didn't go back and say, I've had enough. I'm not doing this anymore. I need to go deconstruct. No, he just continued to construct his faith. Just continued to build it up as he continued to follow the Lord and step out in it. That's how come when it came to the end, when he was 175 years old, he was in peace. And he was joyful. And he was like, Lord, just take it. Take, take my spirit. I'm ready to go. I've had everything I need in this place. I'm ready for the next step. What's my new house look like? Right? So how are you going to be living your life? Like, like Ishmael? Where your hand's against everyone and everyone's hand against you and you're living a life of defiance and you die in defiance? I don't think that's healthy. Live a life of peace and joy that only comes from Jesus. Set your minds on Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Live by faith. Let your life be a testimony to your faith. Abraham's life was a testimony to his faith. Enjoy 
enjoy the presence of the Lord today. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this word. And I thank you, Lord, that you speak this to us and you speak it to our hearts and that you will work this out in us. I pray, Lord, that we continue to be strengthened by your spirit so that we can continue to walk in faith and take steps of faith following you. We're not, it's not blind faith. We're not, it's not a blind faith. You're not blind. I'm not blind. We're stepping out in faith and following the one who is faithful. We just want to continue following you, Lord. We want you to give us that peace and comfort and joy that only comes from you so that we are satisfied with the life that we are living and the life that we have in you. And we're not continuing to look back and regret or to look ahead in fear or to look around and just complain. We're just, we're just continuing to live a life filled with joy in the presence of the Lord. So we thank you for that. We pray, Lord, that you just continue to speak that to us so that we can continue to share it and let our lives be a testimony. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen.